0: This is the Edified Podcast for the Servant. Often what's called as one of the most beautiful prize flowers uh, of the Reformation that took place just a few hundred years ago is the first question and answer of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And what it does is it distills what they call a, um, well, just a truth. It's really, it's it's, it's it's a vast amount of biblical thought into one gorgeous call and response and here's the question what is the chief end of man and the answer is man's chief end is to glorify god and to enjoy him forever the glory of god and the enjoyment of him these are inseparable twin truths you can't have one without the other um for it to be in regards to your personal saving faith. Everything that you know about doctrine doesn't matter if you do not enjoy uh, God. Everything that you adhere to, your piety, uh, the way you live your life, the morals, all those sorts of things, none of that matters if it's not, if it's not stemming from enjoying God. And The reason I say enjoying God is, is because you can enjoy uh, the rules and enjoy the structure and enjoy the blessings that come from living a godly life. But that's not, that's not the same as enjoying God. The Pharisees very much enjoyed following the rules, and, and they loved rules so much that they made some more. Um, and Jesus told them, listen, when you go out and disciple somebody, you're making them twice the son of hell. Number one, because you're, you're binding where God hasn't bound, and you're having them do things that, that I'm not asking them to do. They're already lost, and then they're lost on top of following your traditions. So we, we must glorify God. Absolutely. And we must do that with a heart of enjoying Him. Let's not lose our focus, preachers. Um, We have to delight in God. This needs to be our guiding light for all that we do. When we minister to other people, we have to do it because we want to glorify God from a heart of enjoying Him. It's the chief end of all that we do. What is it? Glorify God and enjoy Him in this ministry. Delighting in God is what you and I were made for. Delighting in God is what we were saved for. Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Your version may say, "Reconciled to God. We are forgiven that we might be brought to know and find our joy In Him, we are rescued from death, transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Not for some abstract life, not for some abstract reason, not because the Lord was lonely in heaven and He wants to pack it full uh, like a Georgia Bulldog stadium. But this this is the only true life that He's offering. So then and only then do we think and feel straight, if that makes sense, when the one uh, preeminent reality... Um, becomes preeminent in our thoughts. He is the treasure and very great reward of the gospel, Genesis 15.1. And so our ministry, that our work, our service, for me as a pulpit minister, it, it has to flow out of enjoyment of him. It cannot move on from an an enjoyment of him. It can't move from that. It has to flow from that, and it can't leave that. If it does, here's here's the thing, preachers, if it does, it becomes dully hollow, it becomes hypocritical. Uh that is, if you live and grow in your in your knowledge about God, but you do not grow in your delight in God, you are only hardening in sin and hypocrisy. So so this this is the ultimate purpose of of all theology, not merely just to gather information, but to know and to love and to enjoy God and, and the one who is the truth. And yet there, there's something that, you know, th- theology students, uh, those in training in preacher schools um, and, and seminaries all, all around the world, that this can be something that, that all of these, these institutions struggle with. Jesus so easily becomes an object for me to dissect under a microscope. The gospel becomes a subject that I've got to master rather than a message that I am mastered by. Scripture becomes a textbook that I work with, that I plunder over, that I pine over, for essays, for sermons, for um, for brotherhoods, you know, conferences. I mean, we got PTP coming up this week, you know? And there can be people that just study for the sake of the of that study. You know, Rather than being attracted to the Word of the Living God, there was a fellow by the name of Richard Baxter. He was a Puritan, and, and the Puritans it is well worth your study if you ever get an opportunity to study those. They were called Puritans or Purists, that they they just wanted Bible only. That was kind of the heartbeat of what most of them, generally speaking, were about. They wanted to step back uh, from certain doctrines taught, certain churches, certain uh, Catholic you know, um, schemes and ideas and all these sorts of things and, and the, the papacy and all of that. and they wanted just this purest form, scripture alone, if you will. Uh, give us give us the Bible. you're not, your, not your, de- your your deistic piet, you know piety, sort of life, but just give us the book. And uh they were they were called plain preachers. And and that when they heard their sermons, they would say, Oh, they're one of those plain preachers. Well, the plainer the better. Um, because in regards to that, what they were saying is it was a slant to them that they're not preaching as these Catholic folks do, or as as these folks did in that day and age. So Richard Baxter he he warned of this uh Christian professionalism using Scripture and the knowledge of God simply to get the next essay done or the next sermon done or the next article done. Uh, and, he, and he did so with this painful analogy. He said, Many a tailor goes in rags that maketh costly clothes for others, and many a cook scarcely licks his fingers when he hath dressed for others the most costly dishes. Walking in this path— we become hollow people. We we neglect communion with God, using the knowledge of God for some other end, for some job, not to know God. We use God instead of enjoying God, and in this prayerlessness and this this praiselessness, uh, this this is a place that 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 breeds that. Our lives have turned ugly. It's cut off from the real life. They 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 have actually started to work against what we are made for if we're not careful you know which is what well it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever sometimes we find ourselves maybe maybe tiring of Jesus imagining that we have seen all that there is to see and used up all the pleasure there is to be had in him we can get spiritually bored but Jesus is, Jesus has satisfied the mind and the heart of the infinite God for eternity, our boredom is simply blindness. If the Father can be infinitely and eternally satisfied in Jesus, then he must be overwhelmingly all-sufficient for us in every situation in all of our finite physical being and, and of course eternity but that's 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 why the Gospel is not lacking because he is not lacking; He offers something that, whether you enjoy it or not. He offers something that will fill the cup of anyone who is thirsty. So let's unpack this a little bit uh, as we need to be our, um, well, thoroughly convinced. Uh, If this is going to make a difference with you and with me, our delight in God is so essential because, number one, it distinguishes us from demons. Okay? Number two, it is the heartbeat of the saints. And number three, it is part of entering the true life of God and number four, it is what we were made for. So first, our delight in God distinguishes us from demons. James in 2.19 says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So even the demons know their Bible. They can explain it accurately. What distinguishes them from saints is not their knowledge. It is that that where saints delight in God, demons dread him. Jonathan Edwards wrote. He said the devil once seemed to be religious from fear of torment. Luke eight twenty eight says when he saw Jesus he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice he said What have I to do with thee Jesus the Son of God Most High I beseech thee torment me not. So here here is external worship. Uh, the The devil is religious. He prays. He prays in a humble posture. He falls down before Christ. He lies prostrate. He prays earnestly, he cries with a loud voice, he uses humble expressions. I beseech thee, torment me not. He uses respectful, honorable, uh, adorning expressions. Jesus, thou son of God most high, nothing was wanting but love is what Edward said. This, this, this demon. Of course Edward said devil, but it's the idea of a demon. So the, the delighting in God is what separates us from demons, not delighting in getting out of hell. So number two, second, delighting in God is the heartbeat of the new man in, in this spiritual nature, if you will. Saints love to cry out to their father, and, and they echo what David said in Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So number two, this is the heartbeat of the saints, for God to be our joy. To be our utmost joy, and number three, this delighting in God, uh, we have is a it's it's a core part of what it means to enter the true life of God for eternity. God the Father has loved; He's delighted in His perfect Son, and and that Son has loved and delighted in His Father. So it's mutual uh, in the fellowship of the Spirit. So this trifecta, if you will. We we have been created that we might share in that. Uh John 17, 20 through 23, teaches us that. And so in the last place, number four, as we've always as we've as we've said several times to delight in God, number four, it's what we were made for. And as we began, that that's that Westminster catechism, if you will, uh, as they said, that was the chief end of man. Delighting in God is what we were made for. That's the truth, and it's crucial. Uh, It's crucial to Christian life. It is crucial to Christian service. It is crucial for fruitfulness, and it's crucial for happiness in Christ. And this is what John Calvin wrote. He said, It will not suffice simply to hold that there is one whom all ought to honor and adore, unless we are also persuaded that he is the fountain of every good, And that we must seek nothing elsewhere than in him. For until men recognize that they owe everything to God, that they are nourished by his fatherly care, that he is the author of their every good, that they should seek nothing beyond him, they will never yield him willing service. Nay, he says, Unless they establish their complete happiness in Him, they will never give themselves truly and sincerely to Him. So delighting in God is the root, uh, and it's, it's the happy secret behind growing in Christ and, and and serving the church and blessing the world. It is not some extra um, thing that, that we add on this list of religious to-dos, okay? It's the very ground and source of righteous living. Delighting in God is why we do what we do. So, friends, we we need to make sure, keep making sure, especially as a preacher, you convey this to your church that you're where you're laboring, where you're working, where you're serving, where you're preaching. Don't just bark orders. okay? don't just bark orders. The the, the sin in a person's life is not the problem. The sin is a is the root of a heart that has not been given to to Jesus Christ, so that they they don't see him as their affection, they don't see him as their utmost joy, therefore they live the life that they live and it's a, it's the same reason that you sin when you sin it's that that in this moment you and I when we yeah. sin. What we're saying is, is that I don't trust the Lord enough, or He's not sufficient enough for me, and I've got to go and do something outside of what He's asking me to do to find fulfillment, to find peace, to find revenge, to find whatever it is. If you will delight in God and delight in His promises and delight in His truth and delight in His care, you, there will be less and less sin in your life. And that's That's just a given. So, we have to make sure of this all of our ministry all of our life is an act of delighting in god it stems from that it's full of prayer it's full of praise it's it's the fuel for your enjoyment of god you know and and for those who are studying for the ministry if you're in preacher schools right now if you're in seminaries whatever it may be this is going to make your studies that much more enjoyable As one theologian put it, he said the theologian who has no joy in his work is not a theologian at all. Sulky faces, morose thoughts, and boring ways of speaking are intolerable in the service. May God deliver us from uh, what the Catholic Church reckons one of the seven sins in the monk, uh, weariness in respect of the great spiritual truths with which theology has to do. But we must know, of course, that it is only God who can keep us from it. fellows. we were made to enjoy. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what we were made to enjoy. That is the only light in which we can have life. It is the only light in which we can have full hearts. It is only the light in which we can minister to others. If you try to minister. You know this. You know this. If you try to minister without constantly refilling your eyes and your heart with this light. Then in the power of your own adrenaline. Your own wisdom will go out and you will burn out. And and God gets no glory from that. But if you will fill your eyes with the glory of Christ Jesus. And you will ensure that he is glorious to you. And then. Of course, you will not want to proclaim yourself. And in his light, you see that he is glorious and that you are not. When he is glorious to you out of a full heart, you will want to share him. This is the essence of authentic ministry. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ is the only light that can overcome darkness. So hold your gaze on nothing less Settle for nothing less, and herald nothing less.